0: Hi, and welcome to Strangers on the Internet, a podcast about making online dating work for you. My name is Irina Manta, and I'm a professor at the Maurice A. Dean School of Law at Hofstra University. I'm also a dating coach and consultant to the dating app
1: industry. And I am Michelle Lang, a senior lecturer in psychology at Christopher Newport University in Virginia, and a clinical psychologist in private practice. All views expressed in this podcast are our own and not our employer's.
0: Dating can and should be fun, but it can also be hard to navigate at times. How soon should I be in touch? What should I make of it if he or she doesn't respond with this in a certain time frame? When is it okay to have sex with this person? And if we do, what does it mean? When is the right time to broach a conversation about exclusivity? Why do I keep getting hurt?
1: As we've talked about on this show before, dating in the world of apps introduces additional complexities on top of those typical ones that have always existed. Anonymity versus having shared acquaintances in common makes it easier for people to be flaky, outright rude, or even dangerous. And this includes being mindful of the potential catfishing or other scams that are rampant on the apps.
0: And it's not like there's a manual on how to do it right, or other. there's actually too much information out there, but it's often contradictory, oversimplified. And you also need to consider the source. Is it a person qualified to dispense advice on this topic generally? And how well would that advice apply to the specifics of your situation? Today, we're reviewing some dating advice articles and calling out bad dating advice.
1: One of the articles we read was, am I way too picky on dating apps? This is not technically an article, but rather an exchange from an advice column in The Cut written by Rhonda Sakala, who is a cheekily self-described CEO, an arbiter of hotness, as well as founder of Hot Singles, where she puts out a weekly newsletter and manages an online community. First of all, not going to lie, I like her style. I got curious and read another article profiling her and I think she's doing a lot of fun stuff with hot singles and she acknowledges in that interview, it is really more about creating a fun space for single people than anything else. But what are her qualifications for dispensing dating advice as she is in this dating column? On LinkedIn, I can see that she has her bachelor's of engineering and computer science, which again, impressive, but not a clear indicator that she's a dating expert at least not formally, though she formed Hot Singles in December 2020, which she said she created in order to think through her own dating problems. So she has been writing on the topic for about a year and a half. Also, we want to be clear that we have not read an extensive collection of her work and aren't commenting on that. We're just doing what we encourage you to do, which is consider the source and ask yourself how much stock you want to put in their advice accordingly.
0: One reason we picked this advice column to review is because the question raised is a good one, and one daters frequently wonder about, am I being too picky? The inverse is also a common problem, not being picky enough. So this is a highly relevant topic to daters. The reader who is writing in for advice talks about filters she has put in place that she thinks will help her hone in on her best matches. But she says, quote, some of these feel like obvious filters to weed out people I'm genuinely incompatible with but I can't kick the feeling that I'm swiping left on people I would otherwise like in real life. What's the ideal balance between approaching dating apps more generously and risking burnout and really focusing on the perfect match?" End quote. This is a great and very relatable question. Let's review the advice that is given on the matter.
1: To start, the author makes the point that our profiles are of our own design, but also exclude a lot of information about who we are. It's definitely true that some people are really bad at putting together a thoughtful profile that does a good job of conveying who they are and what they're about. And if you want to construct a solid profile, quick plug for our second episode where we give tips for that. But anyway, what does the author say about how to use this profile information so as to not be too picky?
0: For example, she says, quote, since you are being presented with a wealth of options, you have the luxury of filtering those into oblivion. My advice, don't filter. Just swipe right on the people you find attractive. If there are too many of them, simply swipe less. And keep in mind that the bartender might have an odd schedule now, but maybe they're about to quit and go to grad school. The finance worker might have to support their family, so they're doing the job for money until they can figure something else out." End quote. Okay, I totally disagree here. First of all, swiping right on people you find attractive is filtering. So unless one sets no parameters and literally right swipes everyone, there is no way around filtering. And nor should there be. People's personalities and interests, even the little one can glean from the brief profile text, matter a lot more than hotness, ultimately.
1: Yeah, and this is a common strategy, menus particularly, swiping right on everyone they're attracted to, but it causes problems down the line. Before I understood the amount of men who do this, I assumed if I matched with someone, it was because they read my profile, read what I'm looking for and what I'm not interested in, and that they determined we were compatible. I mean, I'd obviously thought that too if I had swiped right on them anyway. But if they also swiped right on me, I assumed that meant the sense of compatibility in all of the important areas I highlighted was reciprocated. But no, it's just a bunch of people doing exactly what this advice is recommending, which is swipe now, ask valid questions later. Having been on the other side of this kind of interaction, it's offensive to me that someone would waste my time letting me think we are compatible when they know we're really not. Like, for example, I set filters to no smokers, but if someone who smokes doesn't disclose their smoking status or lies, they know the truth of our incompatibility. But I don't. Similarly, I had a conversation with one guy where the profile builder asks what you're looking for, relationship, something casual, friendship, whatever else they offer, and he admitted he just said yes to all the options so that it kept his pool of matches more broad, but he was actually only looking for casual dating. So lying does happen, and you can't know whether someone on the apps is telling the truth or not off the bat, but they know. And if they're choosing to match with someone who ultimately isn't going to be interested in them, they're wasting your time. And you'd be doing the same thing if you just indiscriminately swiped on everyone you think is good looking. Your degree of physical attraction to someone should be one of multiple factors that factor into whether you'd be interested in potentially pursuing them. But it shouldn't be the driving force if you're looking for anything beyond arm candy. Let's look at
0: another point the author made as well. Her arguments that both the bartender and the finance person might change their jobs or lifestyles are super unconvincing to me. Most of the time when we make decisions in our lives we need to deal in probabilities. The odds that the bartender will end up with a 95 job are lower than that the person who already has a 95 job will stay in it. And do you really want to start dating someone basically already
1: hoping they will change and thinking you're not really going to be happy otherwise? Hard agree. This is a terrible idea that is way too often perpetuated in rom-coms and other media, that you can change someone, that people will change for love or for the right person. Maybe, but it's unlikely. And so you're setting yourself up for disappointment if you treat that as a likely outcome.
0: I understand the writer's sentiment that people should try dating individuals from various circles because they might not know from the start what will make them happy. Uh, which is an argument that Logan Urie also makes in her book, How to Not Die Alone. But that's different from saying don't filter. Look, time is finite, especially if you have a busy career or rich social life or kids. If I were single right now, I can tell you I would filter more, not less than the last time I was on them. And I would keep on filtering hard in the chat process. If you live in a big city, especially where there are a lot of people on the apps, there's no reason to set yourself up for obvious problems from the start. If you look down on Wall Street types, for example, whatever your reason, you shouldn't date them. The writer goes on to say, quote, filtering profiles based on these qualities is probably making you miss people you might like in real life, end quote. At the risk of sounding nitpicky, I think the problem is right there. Yes, filtering could mean you miss people you might like in real life, but liking is not the same as long-term fit. And if you go out with people where there is a fundamental incompatibility from the start, you risk falling for that person and then have all the endorphins that flood you make you temporarily forget about the fundamental incompatibility. All of a sudden it's a
1: year later and one of you breaks the other person's heart. Yes, I think so many people have a hard time wrapping their head around this concept that liking someone or thinking they seem like a nice person is a prerequisite, but not an endpoint in the decision of whether or not to date them. I have this analogy I use with my clients a lot around things like this, where the analogy is, say you are given a ticket and the ticket allows you to go into an art gallery and walk out with any one piece that you want, any piece you can pick from all the pieces in the art gallery. And so you go in and you look and there's lots of beautiful pieces, but they're beautiful for different ways. And there's some that you know you don't like, but lots that you do like, but you have to pick the one that you like more than others. And the thing is, That doesn't mean you don't like the other pieces. It just means if you're going to leave with one, you want to leave with the one that seems like the best match for your tastes, even if somebody else might pick a different one. And I think that's a helpful way to think about dating as well. It's not to say that it's about, oh, there's a bunch of bad people out there. And if it's a good person, I should give them a chance. It's there's lots of good people and some bad people out there, but I don't have to give every good person who I like a chance in terms of dating we really need to look for compatibility now of
0: course there are some people whose filters are unrealistically narrow but if you do get enough matches and your dates are okay even if they don't always lead to more that's unlikely to be the case for you like i said tweaking filters and experimenting going out with different kinds of people is fine but just going by looks is a huge mistake in my view
1: Also, even if you don't get many matches, that still doesn't necessarily mean you should filter less. Instead, it may mean you just need to prepare yourself to wait longer for a good match and invest more in other areas of your life in the meantime. That all comes down to how important it is to you to be actively dating. For some of us, me included, I'd rather date no one than someone who I knew I couldn't see a future with but for others, and honestly for me at an earlier point in my life too, others or I may be happy to entertain themselves with Mr. or Miss Right now until Mr. or Miss Right comes along. Either of these are fine, it's just important to be honest and clear with yourself about which camp you're in so that you make decisions like how heavily or not to filter according to what your aim is. If you're looking for something more casual and especially more physical attractiveness based, sure, maybe you'll find a value in swiping right more often. But if you're looking for relationship potential, we say filter more, not less. So that was the advice column. The other article we read is of the infamous listicle variety. You know the type, eight ways to know you're ready to date, 10 signs you're actually dating four raccoons in a trench coat disguised as a human, Because this is clickbait, there are tons of these out there, so it can be easy to be overwhelmed by all of the abundant and at times competing information. The one we read is kind of meta, though, because it is entitled, 13 Love Experts Share the Dating Advice You Should Never Listen To. And here we are critiquing the advice given by dating professionals, which include therapists, dating coaches, self-help authors, and then there are a couple that are just self-described quote-unquote relationship experts with no noted credentials. So even off the bat, I'm a little leery because of the relationship experts who I don't know what makes them that, but I'm interested in what the actual dating professionals have to say. So what do we think of this? Shall we take it point by point? So in this listicle
0: piece by Leah Rose Emery, the first point is that the author says you shouldn't listen to the advice. Don't text back right away. You know, I think this one depends. Does the other person text you back right away when you text them? If so, it's okay to text back right away. But as mentioned in a previous episode, boundaries and power dynamics get established early on. And there's likely a problem if one person always texts back immediately while the other one takes five hours each time.
1: Yeah, the only thing I have to add here is that it really seems like this varies so much across people. So there's not really a right answer here. The best way to approach texting with someone you're interested in is to not overthink it. Just do what feels right to you and respect that the other person may have a different texting rhythm and it doesn't necessarily mean anything more than that.
0: The second point is that the author says you shouldn't listen to the advice. It will happen when you least expect it. I actually agree with this one. Most people don't have significant others fall into their laps and a data-driven approach like Amy Webb's makes sense to me if a relationship is important to you.
1: We fangirl Amy Webb around here. And I basically agree with this one, too. What it's saying is don't be passive in your approach to seeking out what you want. But as a corollary, don't keep knocking on a door when it's clear no one's home and then getting mad that no one's answering. If the dating pool doesn't have what you're looking for, don't start matching indiscriminately out of a desire to not be passive. You're not being passive in this case. You're waiting for the right opportunity to act.
0: Point three, the author says you shouldn't listen to the advice, age is the same thing as maturity. I actually found this one a little bit annoying, Michelle, because that's a total straw man. Nobody actually says that. Of course, age isn't the same as maturity. At the same time, the reverse view that age is just a number also strikes me as questionable. Again, it's what I was saying about probabilities and heuristics. Someone who is a lot younger than you is probably not as mature, so
1: proceed with caution. Yep. I'm with you on using probabilities as a starting point. I've definitely recommended to some people, I think you'd be happier with an older partner based on what you're saying matters to you. And I even told a guy I went on a few dates with who was my age, who actually asked me for feedback when I said I didn't want to talk to him anymore. He asked what feedback I'd have for him. And I said, I think somebody younger would be a better fit. And by that, I meant that he acts younger than I saw myself even though we were the same age and that the odds are that younger women would be more in line with the maturity level he seemed to be at. But surely there are also younger women who are more mature than him and maybe some older women who are less so. So age is a good starting point for trying to find someone who is at a compatible maturity level, but there isn't perfect overlap there. So you still need to look for other signs of the things you value and that would make for a compatible match too.
0: The fourth point is that the author says you shouldn't listen to the advice, act like you don't care. This one is complicated and unfortunately gendered. I do think that a lot of women who act, quote unquote, too eager on the heterosexual dating market get branded as desperate. So I would say hold your horses a bit until you've established some level of trust in the interactions with another person.
1: You know, that's a good point you make because without thinking of that, I read this one and agreed with the relationship expert that acting like you don't care is bad advice. I do think it generally is bad advice, but I think how you framed it is more helpful. Just be aware that unfortunately, sometimes acting interested is viewed as desperate. But on the other hand, the right person for you won't view it that way. They'll be happy to know you're into them. And... If you act like you aren't interested, you definitely run the risk of the person assuming, understandably, that you aren't interested.
0: Yeah, there is some balance there. So the fifth point is that the author says you shouldn't listen to the advice, be your best self. Basically, the article is saying you should be your regular rather than your idealized self. I mean, you shouldn't pretend like you have attributes or strengths that you don't, but this is far from binary. For example, you're not going to act as familiarly with someone on a first date as you would when you live together. Like, you're not going to take off your socks and stretch out on the couch on a first date. So this is a
1: spectrum. Great distinction. Generally, I agree with this expert that presenting who you want to be rather than who you are right now is not a recipe for success, but rather for disappointment. But you make a great point that there's still a level of general politeness you want to show rather than over-familiarity, because being polite conveys, until I know your comfort levels, I want to err on the side of not making you feel uncomfortable, whereas this is who I am conveys that you are more concerned with your own comfort and think that the person you're dating should be focused on what works best for you too. Most of us are gonna be more attracted to someone who cares about being considerate of us while they're learning about us.
0: Sixth point is the author says you shouldn't listen to the advice that lying on your online dating profile is okay. Yeah, I totally agree with this one and trust me, I've heard every rationalization under the sun about why some little white lies are maybe okay.
1: Yeah, I totally agree, this is good advice. We've talked about this before on the show and I'm sure we will have to again, but no matter how good of a reason you think you have for lying, the person on the other end still knows from this that you are comfortable lying to them for reasons you can justify in your own head. For most of us, it's not much of a logical leap to be concerned that you'd be comfortable lying about anything that benefits you.
0: What about point seven, Michelle? The relationship experts, saying that you shouldn't listen to the advice that someone will come along.
1: Yeah, I mostly disagree with them on this one. I think someone will most likely come along if you're willing to wait for it rather than get impatient. And as we were talking about earlier, that's just down to personal preference. If you'd rather date someone, even if you don't think they're a long-term match, sure, don't wait. But if you'd rather date no one than someone who's not a match for you, wait for someone to come along. However, the two relationship experts that weighed in on this do seem to be saying more. They seem to be getting at, don't just wait around. If there's you things you need to work on, work on those in the meantime. For example, don't be like, yeah, I get a little heated and say messed up things in anger, but the right person will know what I mean and they won't hold that against me, so I'll just wait on them. No. If you know you should be doing better in some kind of way, don't just wait around for someone to come along who will accept that. Work on bettering yourself and addressing any dysfunction you may have going on while you're waiting.
0: The eighth point is uh, the author says you shouldn't listen to the advice to just be yourself. Okay, this is hilarious because the advice given under this point is the exact opposite of the one under 0.5 about being your best self. The relationship expert quoted under point eight literally says you should, quote, be your best self. This kind of conflicting advice should really make you suspicious about the whole article because it feels like the author strung together a bunch of quotes without thinking through the integrity of their message, which casts a shadow on each piece of advice.
1: Exactly. Can't even get consistency within a single article. But what I was just saying about it always being a good idea to work on bettering yourself in areas you know you are dysfunctional in still stands.
0: Absolutely. The ninth point is the author says you shouldn't listen to the advice that you'll feel butterflies when it's right. So Logan Urey, who wrote the book I mentioned earlier on not dying alone, thinks people should give it at least two dates before deciding they don't feel a spark. That may be true for some folks, but it's definitely not been the experience Michelle and I have had. And the no spark first date always led to a no spark
1: second date for us. That's true. But an important point to mention here too is sometimes people do feel butterflies, but it's not because of love. It's just because of a want to be wanted or liked by this person. And in fact, there's research showing that oxytocin, which is a hormone that when released gives us those butterfly feelings can actually be released at the wrong times and not released at the right times for people with a history of neglect and abuse. So if that is you, you may have a more complicated path than others towards knowing when to trust those butterflies or the lack thereof. If you have a history of abuse or neglect, particularly from caregivers or respected adults from your childhood, but also if that's been the case in a serious romantic relationship, and especially if it has become a pattern so much that you've wondered if you have a bad picker, you would likely benefit from counseling to help you retrain your brain in this way.
0: The 10th point is that the author says you shouldn't listen to the advice that you should play hard to get. Okay, not only is this the same as point 4 about acting like you don't care, but the article even used the same stock photo as for point 4.
1: This is pretty lazy writing. Michelle? OMG, I didn't even catch the stock photo thing, so... Again, things like this should make you question the source as a whole, because it's seeming like they're more interested in getting your clicks than in dispensing useful advice.
0: Next. Point 11. We're still going. The author says you shouldn't listen to the advice that you need to feel a spark. Where did we hear this before? Oh, right. It's the exact same point as the butterflies one just two items ago.
1: Wow. They are not finishing strong.
0: What about this? Point 12. The author says you shouldn't listen to the advice to wait three days to call and have sex on the third date.
1: I actually agree with this one down to the exact line that this relationship expert says. And he was the one I was most leery of based on his lack of credentials. He says, quote, don't set yourself up for games with timeframes and deadlines that somebody told you years ago or ever. That was my editorial ad. Go with the flow and do what feels right. End quote. I agree. As we've discussed, this can look different from person to person and from coupling to coupling. So even though I caution that his credentials may not give you confidence in the advice he's giving, if my credentials do, I co-sign this statement.
0: Point 13. The author says you shouldn't listen to the advice that you should build a dating profile you think others will like. Oh, great. We are back to just be yourself for the advice under this bullet point. Also, while like I said, you should never lie in your profile. There's nothing wrong with highlighting positive rather than negative attributes. There is limited space in the profile text, and you can only pick a few pictures to represent yourself. Why would you do so in a way that turns people off? If you don't have anything positive and truthful to say about yourself, it would likely be best to work on yourself rather than jump into the apps altogether.
1: I really just want to draw attention to what they said, or you said, I guess, about highlighting the positive rather than negative attributes. I can't tell you how many profiles I've seen that just take a negative tone from the beginning. That is so off-putting. Like if you're this, this, or this, don't even bother. Well, that makes people not want to bother just because they think that you're negative, not necessarily because of the attributes you listed.
0: Yeah, and I do feel bad for some of these people because they may have gotten hurt in the past, but it does make you concerned about whether they're really going to approach dating with an open heart. So that's going to be a problem. All right, point 14, the author says you shouldn't listen to the advice that you should be mysterious.
1: Once again, I agree with the expert here. Don't play games.
0: And then point 15, last, the author says you shouldn't listen to the advice that it's okay to lie about your age. Well, this article really seems to be making some interesting assumptions about our short-term memory. While I agree with this advice, obviously, Point6 already said not to lie on dating apps. So we have gone over this. Oh, well. (music) To sum up what we covered today. Look at the credentials of people dispensing dating advice. Do they have relevant educational, professional, or personal experience to likely know a lot? Just because something is published on the internet doesn't mean it's reputable. Dating advice tailored to a large audience tends to be oversimplified. You need to consider how well the advice and the audience for which it is intended matches up with your own situation. Physical attraction matters, and so does the potential match seeming like they're a nice person. But those are only prerequisites. They aren't where you should stop asking questions and dive in. When in doubt, do what feels natural to you while still erring on the side of being polite and not overly familiar until you get to know someone else's comfort level. Let's chat a bit, Michelle. As we've discussed, so much is specific to the two people in question, and there are a few easy answers. But are there some pieces of advice that you think are generally good across all or nearly all situations?
1: The first thing that comes to mind for me is that it is generally good advice to have an project, confidence, but it really does have to start with having confidence. Specifically, that means take the time to do a self-inventory. Know what's great about you so that you don't need that validation from others and don't take it to heart if you don't get it from every potential pairing. People respond very positively in general to a true, genuine sense of confidence and sense of, I know who I am. And so whatever it takes for you to feel good about yourself and what you bring to the table, work on that first. And I think generally that will go over well in your early talks and early dates. I would also say, and I have before on prior episodes, do an honest assessment of what you're looking for and what your deal breakers are. And this is just so you aren't wasting your time or anyone else's on an easily identifiable mismatch. If dating advice does not gel with who you are or what you're looking for, don't follow that advice. That's okay. But you need to start by knowing what it is that you want. What would you say, Irina?
0: I think all of that's great advice. And you know, a lot of the things that we covered in previous episodes, I think, are applicable. And what, what I would say broadly is that in the beginning, you don't have much information. So there are certain things that you can apply broadly when you lack information, and then you can tailor them as things get more specific. I believe that a lot of the safety advice that we gave, meet in a public place, Don't go into anyone's apartment or car without sending that information to your friend, like all of that stuff. I think that pretty much applies across the board and you can't go wrong with some of these things. And then some other things you might have to play with a little bit, like what exact picture will look good or will attract the kinds of people you want on a dating app. There's a little bit of flexibility there. I don't think there is a uh, black and white rule. Speaking of which, you know, I just, learned that black and white pictures are apparently a big hit, something we did not mention previously. and that I don't know if it would necessarily attract me personally, but there you go. That's an example of something where putting a a black and white picture versus a picture in color, play around with it. Who knows what it's going to yield? But I do think things like having confidence, like you said, in who you are and figuring out your positives and presenting them, as well as a lot of the safety advice that we gave is very broadly applicable. And a lot of what we said about red flags more generally has to be taken seriously. Now, not everybody is a love bomber, for example. Some people truly are passionate and that's just how they are and maybe you're gonna have this great love story. At the same time, as I was saying earlier, you gotta start somewhere. So if somebody is under suspicion of being a love bomber, you have to keep an eye on it and see what else is happening. And if there are other pieces of information that should make you less worried or should make you more worried. Uh, You know, what about dating advice from Hollywood, Michelle? So a lot of movies, for example, I'm thinking, seem to endorse stalking and not taking no for an answer. And, And I think some of these things are very relevant to the dating app context and something you need to be careful with. And hey, everyone out there, you do need to take no for an answer, by the way. But what are some of your pet peeves out of, out of that world, Michelle?
1: So I might actually have to throw the question back to you. Because for whatever reason, I've got a weird memory when it comes to movies, I can watch a movie like it. But then like a day later, if you ask me what all happened in it, my memory of it is is just not that good. So for whatever reason, songs tend to stand out to me more. And there's so many This same kind of unhealthy dynamic is in plenty of songs, you know, like I die without you type of thing. Um, Immediately, the one that comes to mind is the 80s song Jesse's Girl. And this is about a guy lusting after his friend's girlfriend. So first of all, dude, She's not interested in you because she has a boyfriend. She's not even single, but you know, he's over here. Something about wishing I could hold her in my arms. She's loving him with that body. I just know it like gross. You're already objectifying her. What is it that you like about her other than that body? And he's like, why can't I find a woman like that? Well, probably because you're too fixated on Jesse's girl and not enough on what your attributes are that would make you a desirable partner and looking for somebody who's compatible with those. Let it go, man. She's compatible for Jesse. There's somebody else that might be compatible for you. So, but, you know, that's the first one that comes to mind. But this idea of he's missing the point entirely. It's not about a competition for the best partner. It's about finding the best partner for you and understanding that that may be very different than the best partner for somebody else. It's all about compatibility, not forcing someone to like you. Um, What about you, Irena? Do you know any, like, movies or Hollywood or anything else some of those bad examples that we get from the media that we yeah. could
0: i mean there's so much there in what you just said the love actually right where there's the where there's the, the whole shtick about being in love with like the the woman that your best friend is about to marry uh and with then the it's board. board. Yes. oh my god uh, that right? infuriates me it's classic it's a classic or uh, now the notebook which when i was younger, I came out in my 20s. I was like, oh, this is so romantic and so great. And then it's got all of these different problems that we're pointing out. But also more recently, while some movies have evolved, I'm thinking about this movie that just came out like last year called Love Hard, that is all about catfishing. And without giving away too much for people, I think one of the themes that we see over and over is that Oh, well, sometimes people deceive in the name of love, but, you know, maybe you should just forgive it. And if the person is really a good guy deep down, it's it's all understandable. And all, all this oh stuff, my- of course, about re- reforming bad boys, uh, about, like you were saying earlier, that people will change for love. Yet sometimes... They do, but you just can't count on it. And Look, life is short. Life is really, really short. You don't have time to be sticking around this stuff. And people stick around in part exactly because of what you're saying, because of this whole soulmate myth. And, and it's like, you know, you watch a movie like The Notebook. Well, there is the one attractive woman that everybody wants. It's like all the other women are not nearly as awesome. And there's no one else out there. The the two really good looking, attractive in all sorts of ways, guys like must go after this one and nobody else. And some of it, of course, also goes back to various, uh, very problematic and sexist views of things. And this kind of conquest mentality i the man must go out and get the most beautiful woman who's like helen of troy or whatever Uh, (laughs) i don't know what do you think
1: yeah no i think that's it so we're happy to have hopefully dispelled some hollywood media myths for you today too
0: yeah like it's there's just so much again so much bad advice out there and it sometimes is dispensed by people who are Maybe they're like a social media celebrity or something. Uh, and so that's how it's like, oh, they find some clever TikTok or, or something like that. And, you know, some of this stuff, there's really no data behind it. And that's why I respect people, even when I don't always agree with them. I respect Amy Webb. I respect Ogan Yuri for doing their best to apply the data to the actual situations. And you and I are ultimately doing the same thing. So yeah, sure, there's a bit of gut feeling involved in this also, but when you start having these, like, grandiose, non-falsifiable theories about how dating works or how relationships work, or I, I also feel, you know, like, those um dating coaches, some of them male dating coaches who are, like, you know, they come up in whatever YouTube ads or things like that, and they're, like, I'm going to tell you the five secrets do this and that. And they're just so sure of themselves. And people are like, yeah, I want to follow that guy. And it's like, you know, this is just marketing tricks. Like there's, there's no data behind it. It's all just about the packaging. And so, like you said, you have to consider the source. And I would trust studies and things done by, you know, John Gottman uh, and other academics and, and people really did rigorous work in this area, I would trust these things a hundred times more than some snappy video on TikTok. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate it five stars so that others have a chance to listen to it as well. And make sure to subscribe so that you can get our future episodes. You can become a part of our community by joining the Strangers on the Internet Facebook group or following us at Swipe Strangers on Twitter or on Instagram. I would like to thank my husband, Carlos Farini, for sound editing, as well as Vlad Kujuklu for permission to use his music for this podcast. Bye, everyone.
1: Bye.